Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the donuts and the break. Um, Lord, we just pray you'd bless this next session and help us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Great. Thanks, guys. Do you want to take your seats and we can get started? I, I should be finished quite a bit before 12, actually, so it won't go on that long. Have you found this helpful? Great. Okay. So what I want to do in this next session is I want to just um, just give you 10 aspects of the gospel I've thrown together to help just to understand it a bit better. Okay. So um, the, um, can you hear me? Okay. So the gospel is really like a diamond. And as you turn it, you'll see different aspects of the gospel. You'll see different parts of it that sparkle and, and help you, okay? And so that's why we need to keep looking into it. And so I've just summarized, as I say, this takes a whole weekend, but I've summarized 10 aspects of the gospel. I might stay a bit longer on some than others. And if you have a question at the end, don't be afraid. Um, love to help you. I've got a I've got a great question in the break as well. So anything I've said, even if it's a side comment, it'll be great. Okay, so we're just going to open up and we're going to, and you've got your notes, we're going to talk about 10 aspects of the gospel to help you understand it better. Um, So first of all, um, there is only one gospel. Okay, that may sound obvious, but but there is only one gospel, Galatians 1 verse 8, and it's God's gospel. It's the gospel of God. It's, It's His message. It's His salvation. We could never have dreamt this up. We would have involved ourselves much more in, the, in uh, Act 1, Scene 1, Act 2, Scene 2. Um, and actually, this is God's. He wrote this. He, he wrote the, the play. He wrote the book. He wrote the storyline. It's God's gospel. It's the gospel of God, okay? Um, and it comes by revelation, um, as we'll talk about just now. So it's the gospel of God. It's where God opens your eyes to see who Jesus is. It's the God's gospel, okay? You need to be born again. You need to have your eyes opened through a miracle conversion. If you want to become a Hindu today, you can become a Hindu today. You can make yourself a Hindu. If you want to become a Muslim, you can make yourself a Muslim. If you want to become an atheist, you can make yourself an atheist. You can't make yourself a Christian. It's a miracle of God where God opens your eyes. Hallelujah. And so it comes by revelation. Okay. Hallelujah. And so there's one gospel, okay? And although the gospels talk about it differently, so you find that in the gospels they talk about the gospel of the kingdom, the kingdom's coming. Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand You find John talks about eternal life. He's kind of looking at it from above. I love the gospel of John. Acts is talking about the cross and the resurrection. Paul's talking about justification and atonement. We'll talk a little bit about that today. Um, But they're all saying the same thing. They're really just coming at it from different angles. Um, They're all talking about different aspects of the gospel, okay? Um, And so there's one gospel. Secondly, as I've said already over and over, the gospel is Jesus, um, the good news is a person. We, we don't, we, the, the, the gospel is not just a doctrine. It's not just teaching. It's a person. Um, 
Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. So Christianity is not a philosophy. Christianity is not just teaching. You go to some churches, it's teaching, 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 teaching. And I love teaching. I've got a master's in theology. But the gospel is not just about teaching. It's about Jesus. It's about a person. It's a relationship. It's a new and living way. Why is it new? Because it comes through a person, not just through commandments. Why is it living? Because he lives in me and I walk with him daily. Hallelujah. It's a new and living way. It's not the old covenant, but it's a new covenant. God says, I'm going to do a new thing. And he sends his son. So it's a living thing. It's a living way. Christianity is alive. Christians should be most alive people on the planet. We should all be ADHD in a way because of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Somebody in the break says, I love your passion. Well, this is me. Okay. My wife gets tired. So um, when I first got married, I said, I'm going away, honey. She started crying. Now I say, I'm going away. She says, I'll be praying for you. Have a great time. So, um, hallelujah. Amen. That she loves me. I love her to bits. She's amazing. Okay. Okay. So. It's the gospel. It's about Jesus and what he's done for us, that he died upon the cross to take away my sins, and that through faith in Jesus, I've been justified, just as if I've never sinned. God has forgiven me of my sins, and he's clothed me, he's covered me with his righteousness. And so we use the word justification. Christianity is not just an experience being born again. It's what God declares over your life. He he speaks over your life and he says, you're justified through faith in my son. Hallelujah. He declares that over you from the bar of God, from the heavenly, from his heavenly counsel. He he says, we are justified. And and, and Paul tells us that in in Romans chapter 3. Just read that to you. And and, and lots of Christians don't talk about justification. Um, It doesn't come up, but it's it's at the center of. you know, it's foundational. Luther said it's absolutely foundational to your faith. It's the doctrine upon which the church rises and falls. Um, justification, listen carefully, justification by faith alone. By, through Christ alone. By the grace of God alone. That means before you did anything, God moved. You didn't save yourself. Back in eternity past, he chose you, and he called you, and he drew you to his son. Hallelujah. Way back behind your salvation was the call of God, and God loved you. God loved the whole world. We're in the deep end of the swimming pool now. God loved the whole world, for God so loved the world that he sent his son. But what God did is he set his love on you, and he set his love on me. And that's mind-blowing. I'm, I'm here today because God set his love on me. Hallelujah. And so it's by faith alone, by grace alone, through Christ alone, through the word of God alone, not church traditions, sola scriptura, and it's for the glory of God alone. Those are the five solas of the Reformation, and that's what we stand on, hallelujah, and so we are justified, Romans chapter 3 says this, it says, um, um, where are we now, yeah, verse 21, um, it says here, 
But now, verse 21, apart from the law, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been revealed. The righteousness of God through the faithfulness of Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But they are justified freely, freely by his grace through redemption that is in Christ Jesus. God publicly displayed him at his death as the mercy accessible through faith. Hallelujah. And so we're justified by the mercy of God through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And our faith doesn't save us. Listen carefully. God saves us and he awakens us and he regenerates us. And as we come awake, we say, my goodness, I see who Jesus is. Lord, forgive me. I believe in you. And we're saved. He uses that faith to say, but, but he begins the work in us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And we receive what God has done for us. Hallelujah. And Jesus becomes the propitiation the Bible says, for our sins in Romans chapter 3 and through Romans. What does propitiation mean? It's an important word. It means a sacrifice that turns away anger. And so God was angry with sin. God's not a father Christmas in the sky. He was angry with sin. He hates sin. He's completely holy. He dwells in unapproachable light. He hates sin and he wants to punish sin, but he loves us. And so what he does, he sent his son. He sent his son as a propitiation for our sins. And Jesus took our sins upon the cross. It says in Isaiah chapter 52 that, that when people looked at him, they were appalled because he was marred more than any man. When they looked at Jesus on the cross, they didn't say, is this the Messiah? They looked and they said, is that thing hanging there human? Is that thing hanging there human? Because what happened in the crucifixion is that Pilate didn't want to crucify Jesus initially. And so he had him flogged so severely. And that kind of flogging used to almost kill a person. And he had him flogged by the Romans. And then he brought him in front of the Jews. And he said, behold the man. Look at him now. Look at your king now. And they said, crucify him. Crucify him. And so Jesus was scourged, he was, he was beaten, and he was crucified for our sins. And the full anger of God fell on Jesus. The Bible says in Isaiah that it was the will of the Lord to crush him. And so Jesus was crushed upon the cross. He was crushed upon the cross. And he was abandoned on the cross. And he hung there. And it says darkness descended because it was a time of judgment. There was darkness over the land. And he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And God turned away from his son because he became the object of sin and the object of God's wrath. And Jesus died alone. And Jesus died, as it were, abandoned, still trusting in the Father. He was the only one who was truly obedient and got truly punished and died alone for our sins.
And I need to meditate on this. I need to let that grip me. So the next time I'm feeling rejected and I'm feeling abused and I'm feeling abandoned and I'm feeling hurt, I can look to him and say, Lord, you know. You understand. You've been there. Hallelujah. And so that, friends, that's the, that's the gospel. That's the gospel. It's about Jesus and what he's like. We must meditate on that. We must take time. Luther said that, I'm quoting him quite a lot this morning. He's made a big impact on my life. I feel like he's a, a friend of mine. Um, he said we must gaze at the cross and let its, let, let its glory and its horror impact you. Because it'll change you as you realize what he's done for you. Hallelujah. Even now, the Holy Spirit is speaking to people here. He's talking to you. This gospel cost him everything. It cost Jesus everything as he hung there. And he hung there in front of his mother. And there, were, there were women around the cross. It's amazing. Spiritually receptive woman. And he said to his mother, he's hanging there naked, beaten up. And he says, mother, behold your son now. Look at, look at your son now. Behold your son. It's mind-blowing what God has done for us. Let that just sink in. Let the Holy Spirit make it real to you again today. What Jesus has done for you. Hallelujah. And we've been crucified in Christ. We, we, we died with Christ upon the cross. He, 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 he died for you. You, were, you, were, you died with Christ. You were buried with Christ on the cross. You rose in Christ. Hallelujah. Everything that happened to Jesus has happened to you in your life. It's just amazing. It's incredible. Hallelujah. All this other teaching we get in the church, okay, it's okay, it's important. I've taught on it. But this, friends, this is at the center. And we need to keep coming back to it. Our worship needs to be full of the cross. Our worship needs to be full of glory. We mustn't start with devotion. We must start with the gospel. Because what are we singing about if we don't start with the gospel? When unbelievers come into our meeting, they need to hear the gospel in the worship. They need to hear the gospel every week. The gospel is not to give your life to Jesus. That's not the gospel. The gospel is not you need Jesus. That's not the gospel. The gospel is not I need to, you need to be born again. That's not the gospel. No, the gospel is Jesus loves you. Jesus died on the cross for you. Jesus took your sin upon himself for you. Jesus rose again to give you new life. And Jesus is calling you now to follow him today. Hallelujah. That's the gospel. And in different ways, that's got to come out in everything we do. We've got to kind of slip in the gospel. And so the gospel number three, you can see I'm getting stuck on that. It's just it's so important for me. The gospel is also about sonship and new identity. We've spoken about this already. It gives you sonship. It says in 1 John 3, um, behold what manner of love the Father has given us that we are the children of God now. John says, just like amazing, we're the children of God now. 
Christianity gives you assurance now. I don't have to wait to get to heaven to find out if I'm saved. I know now. I'm a child of God now. I have assurance now. I should be, I should be, and I know we've got different temperaments. I do strength finder, but I should be full of boldness. Whether it's quiet boldness or noisy boldness, I should be full of a boldness because I know that I know that I know I'm a child of God now. And nothing can take that. And it's just liberating. Hallelujah. It's incredible. But the gospel is also number four. It changes my heart and my life. The gospel changes me on the inside. And that's why the gospel goes deeper than the, the social and behavioral sciences, whether it's psychology or whatever it is. They, they, they help people. I'm not against it. But the gospel goes deeper because the gospel doesn't just try and change my behavior. The gospel changes my heart. And so you watch TV sometimes. People think, what's going on in the world? All the crime, all the violence, all the hatred. Where's it come? We need a new education system. No, we need better government. No, no, no. The world says the problem's out there. And the answer's in here. Just trust your heart. That's the new philosophy now. Be true to your inner desires. Be true to yourself. The gospel says, no, the problem's not out there. The problem's in here. And I need to change my heart. And if I change my heart and we get enough hearts changed, then society may change. Can't change society if people's hearts are not changed. We need to help and do good in society. I ran a project. We, we did so many project stuff. We education, feeding the hungry. I've traveled, done all that stuff. And it's important. We need to do that stuff. It's important. But we, with it and before it, and more important than it is to preach the gospel so that people change. Hallelujah. And so the gospel gives, changes my heart. My heart gets circumcised. God cuts away the hardness in my heart. He gives me a soft heart, a tender heart. I learn to say, I'm sorry. I learned to say, please forgive me. I learned to say, I shouldn't have said that. And then receive that forgiveness and keep moving. And then number four, number five, the gospel also provides forgiveness and healing. So Isaiah 53 is a key verse. Isaiah saw this, incredible. He says, but he was, listen, was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement brought us peace, and by his stripes we are healed. So these verses speak about transgressions, which is sin, and iniquity, which is brokenness. So on the cross, Jesus did two things, and we don't also understand this in the church. Jesus dealt with my transgressions, where I broke the law, where I crossed the line, where I sinned, where I did things wrong. Jesus took that upon himself. He, he atoned, he paid for my transgressions. But he also, listen carefully, he also on the cross provided healing for my brokenness. My bentness, my iniquity, he provided healing. And so you find when Christians counsel people so often, when they, you know, they don't talk about the cross, they don't talk about the gospel. You go into your past, we chat about your parents, and we need to do all that stuff. And we, we talk about the hurt and what you've been through, and we pray for people, but we don't bring the cross into it, we don't bring Jesus into it. And so in our counseling, we need gospel-centered counseling. We need to say to people, tell me what happened. We need to cry with them. We need to weep with them. But then we need to say to them, Jesus experienced that brokenness and that hurt on the cross. He understands. He didn't just wash away your sins, but he understands what you, your brokenness. He was broken on the cross. The cross doesn't just provide forgiveness. The cross provides healing. 
And so we don't just proclaim the gospel, but we need to minister the gospel to one another. We need to pray for one another for healing. So we're not just carrying stuff, but, we, but we're being healed by the gospel. We're being healed by Christ. We're being healed by the Holy Spirit. Maybe some of you here today, you need healing. You need to experience the healing power of God. He was, well, it says in Isaiah, he was wounded for our transgressions and he was crushed for our iniquities. He knows what it feels like to be crushed. I've gone through this thing. It's just crushed me, man. I don't feel like getting out of bed in the morning. I feel crushed. So you're not talking about guilt here. You're talking about your hurt. You're talking about being bruised. You're talking about being crushed. So Jesus deals with that stuff. You find lots of counseling courses. You go to Christian bookshops and stuff like that in, in, in countries where there are bookshops and you find a lot of the recovery books are, they don't, they don't bring the gospel in at all. And we need to do that because Jesus was wounded for our, he, deal, he deals with my guilt and he deals with my shame. So in more individualistic cultures, he deals with my guilt, the things I have done wrong. And in other cultures, he deal, in shame cultures, he deals with my shame, not just what I've done, but what I've become. So I don't just feel guilty, I feel ashamed. Because I'm in a community that makes me feel shame. And Jesus was shamed. The cross was a shameful, despicable death. Jesus was shamed. He says, you, you want to understand about shame? I know about shame. Come, let's talk together. Let me pray for you. Let me help you. So gospel does that. It's powerful. And so number six, the gospel, I must move on. I've gone through my time. I'll get carried away. The gospel of the kingdom, we've spoken about that already. It, 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 it confronts the three basic idolatries of this world. Power, the Jews wanted signs and wonders. To be crucified to the Jew was, was it was just crazy. It was, it, was, it, was, it was an affront to the, that's why Paul wanted to kill the Christians, because he said, how can you say that a Messiah is, is, is killed upon a, cursed on a tree? It's a curse. Didn't understand the gospel. So it, 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 it's, it, it unends the, the world's understanding of power to be crucified on a cross. For the Greeks, they're looking for great wisdom. They're saying, how clever is it to be crucified by your enemies? It's nonsense. It's foolishness. But the cross turns that upside down. In it, we see the wisdom of God. In it, we see the power of God. In it, we see the, 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 level, the, the, the ground is level at the cross. And the cross is also culturally trans, transforming. And so the cross comes in and changes culture. And, and it's radical and, and, and countercultural. And so you, Christians generally, I'm racing through this, but Christians generally have two approaches to culture in a different culture. So they either go into the culture to change the culture, but the danger is you can lose the gospel as you try and connect to the gospel so much, you know. We so try and identify with people. We're going to the pub. We're going to the nightclub. We're spending time with our friends. Eventually, you can't tell the difference. But other times, and this is more often, Christians stay out of the culture. No, I'm not going there. You know, that's an unholy place. I'm going to stay out. So we remove ourselves. And the gospel is different. The gospel, is, the gospel says go in and keep your identity. Don't try and stay out and retain your identity. Don't go in and lose your identity. Go in and keep your identity. And sometimes that's why it's helpful to go in in twos and threes rather than on your own. It's easier to do things on your own. 
um, than it is when your mate's with you. And then number eight, the gospel is full of Holy Spirit power. It's from the cross that the Spirit was sent. And so we receive the Spirit at conversion, but we also need to be empowered and baptized in the Holy Spirit so that we energize and empowered. And the Spirit comes upon us, not just in us, but upon us, changing us. Jesus said, listen carefully, Jesus said, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and to the ends of the earth. And then number nine, there's two more. The gospel also sets me free from demonic principalities and powers. Hebrews chapter two, verse 14 says, seeing therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself partook of the same things, our flesh and blood, that through death he might destroy the one who is the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who the fear of death was subject to lifelong slavery. And so all fear and all, all misgivings are rooted really in the fear of death, which is the great fear the humanity has, is the fear of death. People are afraid of dying. And they don't know when someone's about to die. It's this fear of death because we feel guilty. And, and, and we, we fear death and punishment. And we're not sure what lies beyond the grave. And Jesus came and broke the power of death. He killed death upon the cross because he rose again. Hallelujah. Never to die again. And so for the Christian, we don't fear death in the same way. We don't fear death in the same way. One of the great Puritans was dying. He was on his deathbed. His friends came to see him. They said, how are you doing? I think it was Baxter, one of the Puritans. They said, how are you doing, Mr. Baxter? He said, I'm almost well. <laughs> I'm almost well. He was about to die. We've got a different view of death. And then finally, the gospel also sends us out on mission. When, when, when Jesus comes in, oh, he's a missionary spirit and he sends us out. He changes us so that we begin to share the gospel, gossip the gospel in our neighborhood and in the nations. He sends us out. He sends us out. And, and many of you are here. It's a privilege to be here. May God help you and bless you to be a gospel witness here um, so that when, when things are happening, people can look at you and see in your life and see in your behavior and, 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 and in the things you carefully say that you, you belong to another kingdom, not the kingdom of this world. Um, and often it's good to respond to, to people's needs. One of the disadvantages of being a pastor, and I say this carefully, don't get misunderstood, is that you're mainly dealing with Christians. <laughs> you are in the world, but, but those of you that are teachers and, and, and in the workplace and in the market, you're rubbing shoulders with, 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 with non-Christians. All the, It's a wonderful, wonderful privilege. Just be open to needs. You just be open to needs. I remember in, I used to say, Marisburg, going to a paint shop once, get some paint and I said to the guy, you're looking a bit troubled, man. What's happened? He says, no, man, my daughter's gone in for this emergency operation. We don't know what to do. I said, what's her name? He said, I said, you know what? I'm going to go back and tell our church to pray. When's the operation? He said, tomorrow. I said, we're going to pray for you. Can we pray for you? Very few people say, no, don't pray for me. And so we, I said, we're going to pray for you. He said, will you? I said, yeah, of course, man. We'll pray for you. Phoned him up. I said, give me your number. Phoned him. Next. How did the operation go? That's all. A tremendous opportunity. There's opportunities everywhere. Okay, and, and, and as we come with the love of Jesus, we come with the message of the gospel. And so these are, I've raced through these things. These are 10 aspects of the gospel just to, to show you. I hope it's just opened up a window to you this morning on the importance of the gospel. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your gospel. It's powerful. Lord, we pray that you'd help us to go deep, to go wide, 
and that the gospel would go into our hearts and change our lives. In Jesus' name, fill us with your power, fill us with your boldness. Give us the assurance that only comes from the gospel, we pray. In Jesus' mighty name, help us next week as we look at the idols of our heart, that the gospel may root them out. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.